welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. Bibles, please turn the word with me to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Heavenly Father, we love you, we thank you for your precious word that you've given us, Lord Jesus, to rely upon, to lean upon, Lord Jesus, for our life and instruction, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the solemn assembly, Lord Jesus, and your presence that's in this place, Lord. Lord, have your way, Lord Jesus, in the hearts and lives of every single one in this place and everyone listening online, Lord Jesus. Let their heart be pricked today by your word, Lord, and draw them closer to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise God. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And if you think about the ways of man, you could probably come up with some ways that as an adult, you look back and says, that's not going to go well. I, 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 I relate this as I, I look at our youngins, you know, Jackson and Jackie and Gunner and, and all the babies we have here. And I, I see them run around and they just like fall on the ground like a lead of weight. And I'm like, oh, one day you're going to feel that. <laughs> one day it's going to hurt a little bit more than it does today. And as we grow as people, as we grow as men and women and children, we understand that some of the ways in which we do things and some of the ways in which we were brought up or in the ways we have gone are not for the benefit or furtherance of our life. I mean, driving recklessly out there in the public roads is not something that's probably beneficial. And I could look in my past and said. It is only by the grace of God that I'm not dead and I didn't kill somebody. Because the ways of man are foolish and they're, they're, they're just wicked and they're, they're going to lead us to death. So we can't look at the ways of man. But you may think, but it feels good. And there's this doctrine, there's this teaching out there that many people are leaning to. If it feels good, it must be okay. That's not what the Word of God says. And if you actually look back in the hindsight, being 2020, that what made you feel good at that moment was not what made you feel good when you woke up the next day. You know, the Saturday night feel good left you with the Sunday morning blues? Yeah, that's a real thing, Sunday morning blues. And that's not because they woke up having to go to church. It's because they woke up remembering what they did last night. But we don't seek the pleasures of men. We don't seek to, to furtherance ourselves in the man's kingdom. But we seek to please God. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So first of all, we must remember to seek him first. We need to keep God's priorities, God's priorities in our life. I, I remember when Brother Lucas taught, he's, he taught me something that I, I've, I just it stuck with me. He is God and I am not. I got to stop trying to make life decisions without God's input. I got to stop telling God what to do because he's God and I'm not. 
And as soon as I try to elevate myself up into a position of authority over God, I'm doomed. I'm lost. I'm a goner. If you don't believe me, talk to Satan. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Now, you're going to probably try to figure out what path I'm going on. And trust me, these scriptures are not leading me in any direction. And you're going to see the title of my message here in a little bit, and you're like, what do those scriptures have to do with anything? We've got to seek Jesus first. Because if we lean upon our own understanding... If we lean on the pleasures of man, if we try to, to reconcile the word of God with man's teaching, we're going to be lost. Because man's teaching is like, like the, the, the little two-year-old that just flops himself down on concrete versus the word of God says, that's going to hurt. You may not feel the pain, but when you get to be 40, 45, you're going to feel that your knees just don't work anymore. The ways of man, the pleasures of man are not going to lead us to success in this life. You may think, well, I know very rich people. I know, you know, bazillionaires and gazillionaires, and they seem happy, and they seem like they're being blessed of God. And all blessings come from above. It doesn't matter who the recipient is. You know, we always think about this scripture, it rains on the just and the unjust. And we think that's a bad thing. No, 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 no. Rain is rain. And depending what season you're in, rain is good. Or rain could be bad, based on the season you're in. Now, if you're always in a bad season... It's going to feel bad. But we can't live as Christians in a bad season all the time. We got, we got to stay focused on, on what God wants us to do and seek him first. I, I'm keeping you all in suspense. I'm not going to give you that title yet. James, James 1, 5 through 11, it talks about a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So if, if you're the fence straddler, I don't know if any of y'all grew up around corrals and on a farm and stuff like that. When you straddle the fence, it's only good for so long. It gets, gets mighty uncomfortable. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And, and what, do we, what do we do, what can we do to prevent a double-minded mind frame in ourselves? Well, if you go back to verse 5, it says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, not wavering. That's where faith really comes into our relationship with God. If we don't have faith, then you're not going to get wisdom. If you don't have faith, you're not going to be saved. If you don't have faith, you don't believe in Jesus. And your life is empty. It's all about faith. We've got to have faith. We've got to believe that he is who he says he is. Not wavering. For he that wavereth, so this is where the fence straddlers come in. He that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven from the wind and tossed. For let not that man, the one that's tossed, think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. We need to have our mind made up. We need to know what we know and know what we believe. We can't sit here and waver and wonder, is Jesus, is Jesus the real deal? John the Baptist did that. He, he sent his disciples off and said, Jesus, are you the real deal? Are you the one we've been looking for, or do we look for another? You see, in the darkest of times, in the, in the prison of your own self, you will find yourself questioning the things of God. You'll start to find yourself questioning the will of God. You'll start finding yourself questioning the things the way you're at in your life right now. 
And you'll start asking God, is this really the will that you called me to? Is this really the place you wanted me to live? Is this really the place you wanted me to be at in life? And we start to question the things of God when we are in our darkest moments. When we're living high on the hog and when we're dancing and scooting across the front of this chair, we ain't asking God about that. We're like, woo. We start feeling it. We're like, this is God. This is good, man. I can feel God. This is great. But the time we start going through some hardship, we're up here in the altars and we're like, or sitting in our seats. Some people don't like to show their, their cards and they'll sit here and, is this really, God, all you have for me? Where are you? Really? And we start to get wishy-washy. We start to get double-minded, and we start to seek counsel of man. We go to work, and we ask our coworkers. Now, we're in the bar the night before, and they're still having the hangover. And you're asking them, what should I do with my life? And they're going to say, well, guess what? Uh, we're going to the club tonight, so you can come join us, and you'll find your purpose. That's the counsel you get from the world. That's what the world is trying to get us all to do is to take our eyes off of Jesus. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He can't make a right decision. I, I, I've looked at people, and people probably looked at me, and they're like, that dude is a double-minded man. He's unstable. He's not even thinking logically. He's not making wise decisions with his home, with his finances, with his family. What is he doing? I remember we went through a tough time here in Vacaville 20 years ago or so. And I was praying. I was like, Lord, I'm ready. I'll pack my one or two things. I'll jump in my car. I'm ready to go. I've had it. I'm done. I'm tired of getting the beatings. I'm tired of getting the name calling. I'm tired of all this just, just, just self-inflicted wounds. Self-inflicted wounds. And I was like, God, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to go? And I'm going to fast till I hear it. I'm going to fast and, Lord, you're not hearing me. I'm going to fast until I hear from you. Lord. And I didn't hear from Sister Lisa. He didn't say a word. And as I was sitting there, I was like, why is my God not speaking? It's because I had fallen into a double-minded mind frame. Because he had already given his will and spoken his will into my life where he wanted me and what he wanted me to do, and it was to be right here. He says, I have not changed my mind. Why are you asking me? So then I had to eat humble crow and doctor my own self-inflicted wounds and get back to the altar and pray through and get out of my own pity party. We can't have a double-minded mind frame and live for God because our whole life will be wishy-washy. Our whole life will be ups and downs and we'll never have a solid walk with God and we'll never understand the full truth that God has for our lives. Jesus has not changed. He's the same God yesterday, today, forevermore. The Word of God says in John chapter 14, 6, a very familiar passage, many of you can quote it. He says, I am the way. One of the truths, no, the truth, and the life, meaning outside of him, there's no life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
That, that has not changed. That has not changed. Jesus is still the only way to get to heaven. Now, if you want to go out to dinner afterwards, there may be a couple side streets you can teach, but there's no side streets that you can take to get to heaven. There's only through Jesus. We can't be double-minded on that, because if we get double-minded on the things of God, we will be lost. It will lead people astray. We've got to keep our mind right and fixed on Jesus. Now, has anybody ever heard of the term or word conceit? Many of them say conceited. What does that mean? I'm going to let you give me a definition of what you think that word means. What's that? Full of self. That's good. Anybody else? Egotistical, full of ego. Some of y'all looking across the sanctuary right now say, oh, I can just point out that person right there. Self-righteous. People smarter than me says, uh, just like y'all were saying, unduly favorable estimation of one's own abilities or worth. Overly self-positive. And I could probably ask how many of you have been there before as you walk with a crutch. I thought I could make it. <laughs> or like me, when I used to be young, Brother Jose, and, and working out and strong and stuff, I used, to, I used to think in my mind I could pick up anything because when I had my brothers around, I mean, if there's something to move, we'd move it. And as I've aged and i have not working out as much, I don't tell my doctor that, but as I work out less... Um, I realized that I, I see something heavy. My wife tries to coach me on that. She says, honey, use your legs, not your back. It's like, I got this. It only weighs 400 pounds. I got this. And Brother Clark, what do I do? I go over and see that thing, and I go down and grab it, just like this. And then I hear that famous word, are you okay? And like every man, yes, I'm fine. And for four days, I walk like this. <laughs> when we think we have more than what we really do. I'm getting closer to a title. Y'all need a title. I'm going to add a word to this word conceit that we just learned. It's called the gambler's conceit. Y'all heard of that before? The gambler's conceit. What that is, is it's a belief that one can or will voluntarily quit a risky behavior while they're engaging in it. Meaning as you're sitting at the bar drinking, you think you can quit. When you're addicted to whatever drug you have, you think you can quit. That's a gambler's conceit, meaning you think you can do something on your own, but you can't. You can't voluntarily quit by yourself. And I looked at this, and I was like, that applies to everything in our life, not just gambling, but it ties to sin, too. We can be caught up in our sinful lifestyles, doing what all kind of wickedness is out there, and we think we got this, we're in control, and we can quit when we want. No, 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 no. That's a double-standard mind. You're wishy-washy. You're not in the Word of God. You're not in the Word of God. We can't, we can't be caught up in this gambler's mentality. Do you know what gambling is? How many here? Within, within not, so let me make sure I phrase this correctly so I don't have anybody telling themselves. But let's say in the last five hours, has anybody in here gambled? Praise God. Praise God. That's good. That's good. I won't go anything past five hours ago. But has anybody ever been in a casino? 
yep, stayed in them, ate at some of their buffets. I have not contributed outside of a hotel room to their establishment. Thank you, Jesus. But gambling is uh, it's uncertain. You're throwing your hard-earned money at people that are already over-rich, and then you're hoping that by chance you will be that one and one billionth person that's going to win. So, it's amazing, and since there are no gamblers, self-admitted gamblers in here, I'm going to pick on gamblers today. And if there's gamblers, I hope they're not publicizing this in like circus circus or anything and like that, but if they are, tune in because I'm coming for you in Jesus' name. Y'all need the Holy Ghost. But I've known a few people that would call themselves gamblers in my past. Some were friends, some were acquaintances, and it's amazing that they have this false conception that they're going to be winners someday. And they will drop hundreds of thousands of dollars into remodeling a casino, taking that money from the kingdom of God, taking that money from their children and their families, and giving it to wicked people. And when you try to tell them that that's not the best investment, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, they think that their number is coming. I I, I had this opportunity to be a friend 25 years ago, probably by now. And uh, he was one of those people that went to the casino and he won 15 grand. Not a bad chunk of change. I thought he was running the numbers. He thought he was hot. He thought he had their number. And went back the next day, and he lost that 15000 plus 25000 more. And when I met him, he had spent probably well over $100,000 trying to ruin back that 15000 that he thought he had won originally. Now, we sit here and think that that's just, that's just, whew, that's the foolishness of men. That's just ridiculous. That's just, blah. But how many of us are in the same boat, but it just ain't gambling? How many of us are living in that situation where we think our number's coming, that we think we have it all under, uh, under control, and that we got, we, got, we got our hand up in this business, and, and next thing you know, somebody's going to come around and say, no, nah, I don't think that's the right path for you to go. And he's like, no, nah, none of my business. We got to make sure that we, we don't get caught up in, 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 in sin and think that our sin don't stink. Sin stinks. Now to invest. How many here have investments? Everybody in here invested in the kingdom of God a couple weeks ago. To invest is to spend or devote for future advantage or benefit. Now gambling is not investing. There's a difference. Investing is when you put your money into something that you're expecting a return. And I, I saw such a miracle take place a couple weeks ago on our Sunday of sacrifice where, where the kingdom of God has been enlarged by the generosity of this church and investing into the kingdom of God. And that, that is the difference in our life that we walk today. That is the difference in, in, in what, what we have in, in our life that we live. So I ask you this question, and this is where my title comes from. Today, today as you sit on the pew, today as you sit in the sound of my voice, are you the gambler? are the investor. 
Are you the gambler or the investor? You can't be a gambler in the kingdom of God. Only investor. So you have to make up your mind today, and you may say, well, what is the difference of a, a gambler in the house of God versus an investor in the house of God? Well, I'll give you just one or two little phrases that you may hear from a gambler versus a phrase that you may hear from an investor. So a gambler would say, does it really take all that to be saved? That's what a gambler in the house of God sounds like. I'm going to find out the littlest, minimalist thing I have to do, and then I'm going to go below that. Because do I really need to do that to be saved? But an investor is going to say, what can I do to be saved? Well, what can I do for you, Lord Jesus, today, this hour, this, this minute? What can I do for you? That is a phrase you'd hear from an investor. Now, I've heard all my life, uh, not all my life, I take that back, because I wasn't living this truth all my life. But I've, I've heard in several times in the past 26, 27 years I've been in this, and, and 15, 14, 15 years in ministry, do you really need to dress like that? Do you really need to act like that? Now, how many of you ever ate in a, in a restaurant? Brother Rainey, you've been in a restaurant, right? And, and, and when you walk in the door, you'll see people at a nice restaurant. You'll see people standing there at the, the, the counter there, and, and they're dressed nice in their uniform. So if they're wearing the uniform, what do you imply or suggest that they work there? You identify them by their dress. And then even within, with, even in, within the restaurant, you'll see, you'll see the person that will take you to your seat. And they will be nicely dressed with the clothes that they wear, and they will seat you. And you're like, that's the person that seats me. And then as you're seated, you'll see someone else come up with an, a little, little apron thing across here, right? Whatever they call that thing. And it'll have like their pens and their little, little order-taking notebook and all that stuff. And you'll realize that that's your server. The person that sat you is not the server because they didn't have one of those things. You identify the server by what they're wearing. And then as you're eating and the couple next to you gets done eating and they leave the table, hopefully they paid for their bill, but they leave the restaurant, you will see somebody come up with a full apron and they'll set a little black container down and they'll start clearing the table and you'll look at them. By their dress, you know they are the busser. You are known by what you wear in society as a whole. When we have, we have some medical professionals in this place, and when they come in and they're, what do you call them, scrubs or whatever you call those things? Scrubs. I know that that person didn't come from McDonald's. I know they ain't waiting uh, the cashier in a grocery store. I know them by their dress. And, then, and when you talk to medical professionals, you won't have to talk to them long when you realize that they speak in that professional medical term. Like those that are medical professionals in here, I can go up and ask you, hey, so-and-so is at the doctor's office. I say, what's wrong with him? You can't tell me anything because you're a medical professional. You know them by how they act, how they speak, and how they dress. Don't let the world tell you it's not important. The whole world system identifies people by how they dress. So why would the kingdom of God be any different? Don't let... The gambler tried to get you into the casinos to waste your Holy Ghost. So we need to invest. Matthew 13, 44 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, 
the which when a man hath found, he hitteth it, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all he has, and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man, seeking goodly pearls, who when he found that one pearl of great price, went and sold all he had and bought it. Now you got to think about why on earth would, would, would Jesus record this? It's in, it's in red letters in my Bible, so it must have been Jesus saying it. Why would you sell everything you have and buy a field? Investment. Because that buyer found something in that field worth investing in. As a child of God, you need to look inside the kingdom. And you need to see what's worth investing in. And that is where your investment goes. Not in the things of this world. He didn't buy that field to plant a crop. He bought it because there's a treasure there. We don't invest into the kingdom of God hoping to get something back because there's an investment there that we are investing in knowing that there's something advantageous going to come from that investment. What does that mean? It means it could be 300 kids being fed in Colombia. What it means is it could be people actually having a church for the very first time to hold service in. That is when we got to look inside the kingdom. We got to look into the kingdom and find that investment and in what we are truly living for and, and, and be sold out to that. We've got to, we can't let the world and, and the things of this world to, to cause us to, to waver on that. In First uh, Peter chapter 1, it talks about us, us, us people, that we need to give diligence to making our calling and election sure. Do you all want to be saved? I do. I really, really do. And if the Lord was to come right now, I think I'm, I think I'm okay. <laughs> I pray I'm okay. But I, I got to make steps and decisions today to make sure that my calling tomorrow is sure. If the Lord blesses with me tomorrow, I got to have my heart and life right for tomorrow and the next day and the next day. I can't, I can't bank in this one moment of being repented and, and prayed up and prayed through to think that I'm good. I got to be prepared every second, every minute, every hour, every week, every month, every year. For however the long Lord the tarries, I've got to be ready. And it's not up to me to preach to you to get your calling. Sure. I'm kind of the middleman. Be honest. It says in the Bible that the pastor's gonna stand there at the day of judgment. He's gonna stand there and uh, uh be an account, you know, and that's a heavy weight. Heavy weight for middle uh, for for ministry to have to carry, and and you know it's it's one thing to it's a struggle to get ourselves there, but now we got the weight of people on us, right? And and their decisions and making bad decisions and choosing to be a gambler with their salvation instead of an investor, and it, it's it's heaviness. You know I know I know Pastor carries it more than me and carries it well, but there are very there there are many times that I've just had a heaviness on my heart and on my. I just physically just feel weighted down. And I'm like, man, what is wrong with me? I mean, I just, uh, man, if, if a ray of sunshine was to pop up right now, I don't think I'd find any pleasure in it. Just what is wrong with me? And I'll pray thinking something's wrong with me. And it's like, man, Lord, did I do something wrong? And I'll start going down down every 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 rabbit hole of sin that uh, may have been in my past. And I start repenting for everything. Brother Herbert, I just want to get clean because whatever that heaviness is, it ain't no fun. But, but then Brother Garza, he, he, he's not me. It's some of y'all maybe. That causing that weight. And I'm probably causing some weight from my pastor. 
I got to stop gambling. We got to stop gambling. We got we to gotta invest into the kingdom of God. We got to invest in our salvation. We got to make sure our calling is right. We got to make sure that our salvation is set in stone. We got to make sure we're rooted and grounded on the rock of our salvation, Jesus Christ. We got to make sure that our election is sure. Philippians um, 2.12, it, it says another, another time Paul's writing to the Philippians. And, I, you know, it's always easier when other people, it's always easier when other people do the work. I'm learning that at my job. They think it's easier for me to do all the work. And they probably look at me and say, man, Corey, you ain't doing nothing. And it goes, it's all perspective. It's all perspective. I've, I've done a lot of farm work growing up as a kid. A lot of bailing hay. And I thought, man, y'all ain't doing nothing over there. Y'all pull your weight. And they're looking at me. He's like, man, my rack is half full. Yours is half empty. Those of y'all never bailed a hay, bail a hay in your life know that it ain't no fun. But in Philippians 2.12, it says that we, we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. It's going to take work. It's not going to take going to the casino, dropping our life savings in the Holy Ghost and what we've been taught into that little machine that they used to call the one-armed bandit. Now it's like the one-button bandit, I think is what they call it. Just push a button. There's no more of this. People probably got injured, you know, threw their shoulder out after hours of doing that, so push button. But that's how some people live their life living for God. They're like, oh, what am I going to do? James, what am I going to do, bro? I don't know what I'm going to do. Let's, let's, let's roll the dice. Let's spin the wheel. That's not what I voted on. You know, when you play life's games, I'm just going to let you know, it's just like a casino. They're going to have weighted dice. They're going to have loaded roulette wheels. They're going to have stacked decks dealt by professional dealers that can do a bottom deal slicker than anybody else. They're paid to make a lot of money to earn money for their casino. So when you play man's game, you're not designed to win. When you dabble in that little junk they sell in the streets, it's not there to design to win in your life. It's not there to help you succeed in life. That's not what it's there for. That first drink, that first hit, young people. It's not there to make you successful in life. It's not even there to make you cool. You're going to get caught up in that junk, and you're going to look around for all the cool people. They're looking for other victims. They, they, don't, they don't care. They're, they're there not to help you out, but they're here to destroy so in life, we have to work out our own salvation. It's that investing portion of life. It's where we have to put effort into it. We have to make, make something of our lives with the help of God as in our investment to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We've got to get into the Word of God. We've we got, we got to get into the Spirit of God. And I, and I sometimes get worrisome, not fearful, because our God is bigger than that, but I get worried sometimes that we're losing the spiritual effect in our services, where we come in and we do our songs and we do our jumps and we clap our hands and we go through the automatic amens during the preaching, we go through the automatic altar calls and we go out the, the same we came in. And we don't allow the Spirit of God to minister unto our lives. 
And we've got, to, we've got to pray. I don't care if you've been living for God a thousand years and you're in this place today. We can develop a heart of stone. Our heart can get cold to the things of God to where we think we're all that. We've done this for 50 years. We don't have to listen to nothing. We got this. And you need to pray that heart of stone out of your life and get a heart of flesh back in there so that it can be, it can be moldable. It can be, it can be the clay in the potter's hands that mold us. We're never, never, never too old to be molded by the king. Work out our own salvation. Work out your own salvation. Are you going to be the gambler or the investor today? Are the decisions you make going out of this place, are they going to be on the side of the gambler? Are they going to be on the side of the investor? Are you going to make decisions starting today that you're investing into the kingdom of God, investing your life into the kingdom of God? Are you just going to play it by chance? Are you going to allow the situations of life just to push you around? Be that person in the boat with no motor and no rudder and no sail and you're just going to and fro. You know, it's, it's amazing that when you're out in like open ocean, even, even in the flatlands, you can get so turned around you won't even know which way you're facing. And that's how it can be in the kingdom of God when you're living for God. If you take your eyes off Jesus... If you get focused on the things of man, you start to get tossed and turned and that double-mindedness and that wishy-washiness. And the next thing you know, you don't even know which way is up. And next thing you know, you're thinking, man, why is everybody in this place against me? Why, why, why does a preacher keep preaching at me? Why, why don't people shake my hand or love on me? Or why, 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 why until you get dizzy and you just fall out of the church? Anybody that knows me knows that the room is spinning a little bit. Ooh, and that's how it is when you're on that boat. Things just don't seem stable. It's because we've left our life up to chance. And always got to remember, when you leave yourself up to chance and you play in the field of men, you have Jesus on one side and Satan on the other. And they're both playing for your soul. And the devil cheats. He cheats. Jesus is honest. He's going to be straight up, play it straight. devil cheats. He's got cards up his sleeves. He's got the dice. He's got the magnet underneath the, uh, the roulette wheel to get that ball to stop where it wants. Y'all didn't know that, huh? Yeah, that's what they do. devil plays to cheat, cheats to play to get your soul. Jesus is a gentleman. He'll follow you all the way to hell. He'll love you all the way. Don't be a gambler when it comes to your salvation. Don't take a chance on, on going to the left or the right. You need to stay on the straight and narrow. You can't take, you can't take a chance. And as, as we stand, as we stand, and if you want to come around these altars, I really want this message to resonate in our lives so that we, we analyze our lives. I want us to look at our lives and say, Lord, is there anything in me, is there anything in Corey Chase that I've been gambling with? Is there anything in me that I've been just playing the chances? Is there anything in me that has just been rolling that roulette wheel or, or playing the cards and letting the cards fall where they may? No, no, I, I need to get that out of my heart. I need to get that out of my life, and I need to invest into the kingdom. I need to invest in my salvation. I need to, to be, have my eyes focused on what truth is. We can't gamble on our salvation. We can't be the gambler anymore. Time is running out. Time is too close. 
We have to invest in our future. We have to invest in our salvation today. John 3, being born again is still a must if you're going to make it into heaven. We can't change that. We can't change what the Lord says to appease our selfish desires. When we get on that fence and we get wishy-washy, when we become a double-minded man, we start looking at the born-again message and we start thinking, mm, did it really mean that? And does Jesus really, is he really talking about that? And we'll start asking some silly questions like Nicodemus, oh, can I enter into my mother's womb again? Mama won't be happy. We can't get wishy-washy. We can't gamble on that. Acts 2.38 is still the same today. We must repent. We must be baptized in Jesus' name. We must be filled with the Holy Ghost. We can't change it. We can't gamble. We can't throw it away and just hope we make it. Acts 4.12. There's no other name. Under heaven, give one man whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ is our Savior. We can't change it. We can't water it down and just make it generic to call him a God. And everybody is removing the name of Jesus out of their own personal lives and, and, and replacing with the word God. Every religion has a God. Even atheists have a God. And they worship it every day. We got to know our God. His name is Jesus. If you need salvation, it's in the name of Jesus. If you need healing, it's in the name of Jesus. If you need deliverance, it's in the name of Jesus. As we come around the front, I want us to, to call out to the Lord. And Lord, let my heart and my calling be sure. Let me be settled on the rock of salvation, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. If there's any unclean thing in me, Lord Jesus, let me get it out in Jesus' name. Let me be clean before you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't want to gamble with my salvation. I don't want to gamble, Lord, but I want to invest into my salvation. And out of your word, Lord Jesus, I want to invest in my salvation and follow truth, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.